Good morning, everyone. Morning. 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 If you are able, would you please rise? Let us bow our heads. And we say, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather here today. We ask that you give us patience and perseverance during our trials and tribulations and humility and gratitude with our victories. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you get the county clerk to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, please? To I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, Excuse me, you were not. I read a statement. You were out of town that day. I read your statement 
Magnolia, uh, in, in your statement, you said that Magnolia had said they had spent a sizable amount of money trying to silence this. Can you give a perspective now where we're at today? Sure, just a, kind of a quick recap uh, for the meeting I was not present at. Uh, we do talk to Magnolia <coughs> as they come in and get permits for production sites and the like when they come to our office and had let them know that we had received some complaints about the mainly the noise and uh, activity at his pad over in Precinct 2. And he said he was aware of it, and that's when he had let me know that they had spent a good amount of money on uh, attempting to baffle some sound uh, with the upright insulated panels and such. Uh, I had reached out to the Texas Association of Counties and the Railroad Commission. Uh, the noise regulating is not something I was very familiar with, so I reached out to those folks and asked them, uh, what can we do? What is our reach at the county level on that? Uh, both the Railroad Commission and the Texas Association of Counties had an equal response that at the county level, uh, the county has no authority to regulate that. Uh, that authority to regulate light, sound, uh, things of that nature are reserved for the municipal level. Uh, and talking to some of the commissioners and the judge, I, I certainly think we all had the same feeling that this is a problem uh, that we need to address just going about it with the correct process. Uh, I think that needs to start, in my opinion, at the state level. Uh, so where the voice needs to be heard is at the state level, and if I think the county uh, commissioners and judge are all in support of that, and once the authority is given to the county from the state level, uh, if, that's, if that's the appropriate measure, that's when we would step in and take some action there. Uh, but based on the legal counsel of those two departments, I don't think the county has any teeth at the moment to, to regulate that. Okay, at this time, I know there are several people who have signed in, and we appreciate your comments from last week. Is there anyone who has signed in that would like to say something that would add to our situation information-wise? In other words, we understand there's a problem. Is there someone that wants to speak up at this time to, to comment on, on what Mr. Sternado just said? Yes, sir, go ahead, please. I'm seeing your hand, and I just wanted to ask a question. What, uh, and I live on Leslie Road, uh, what steps do we need to take to get the state legislature to give the authority to the county to regulate those issues? Good question. Yes, sir. So my experience, I, I'm a septic guy for the county. Uh, so the kind of procedure that the state took just for comparison, because that's my experience is, the state said, you know, we recognize this is an issue. The state's probably not gonna send their people out, so they they make the rule structure, and then they say, county, this is how you enforce it. These are the parameters that we think are reasonable or unreasonable, and then usually there's a uh, compliance section that they condone with that is this, $500 fine is a $1,000 fine. That's the state is the authority on setting the rule, and then they usually pass that down to some level for enforcement. And so that's 
Mr. what I would expect. Mr. Mr. Watson, you want to uh, take a stab at that? What action this gentleman is asking? How, sure. how could they go about getting the state involved? So the state representatives have had discussions on this in the past. Um, I am aware of a few bills that have been presented that would have given the county the authority to regulate noise and nuisances, um, but the bills all failed at the representative level. My, my suggestion would be to contact your local representative and talk to them about it, um, because they would be the person that would be sitting in our state congress that would have some of the authority to step forward, introduce bills, and try to do something of that nature. Um, and, the, and the civil process is always open. Right. Um, this, what the state kind of does is it, it puts it on the landowners to file a suit in district court seeking an injunction, which would stop, um, you know, if the court were to grant an injunction, it would stop the nuisance basically immediately. Um, and so that's a remedy that, that always would be available to the, to the homeowners in a situation like this. Okay. But would that stop it permanently or just? That would be up to whatever happened in the, in the court. So when you would file for an injunction, the injunction is originally temporary. Um, if the court would be required to set a hearing on that, I think it's within 14 days. And if the court found that there was reason to stop the nuisance until the, the court case could be resolved, then they would put in place a permanent injunction. So it would kind of be dependent on what would happen after you filed a lawsuit against Yes, sir. Hi, I'm Gerard Yes, we like this. 
idea. We clearly have problems with noise. What can you do to lend your voice so it's not just the citizens out there who are whining, but the people, the, the people, the representatives who are, are familiar with all the county and they hear all the complaints, you can step up behind them and say, yes, this is a major problem. We would like for y'all to look at this and then just help, you know, push the legislature, urge the legislature to take action. Otherwise, we can't really ever get it off the goal line. I mean, you know. Point, point taken, Mr. Burnson. I don't want to make it sound like we're unloading onto the county attorney's office, but the commissioners and I take a lot of our directives from the county attorney's office. So before we go out there to publicly uh, endorse something like that, I'm not opposed to that idea, but this would only come after we have visited with Mr. Watson and Mr. Schubach. I'd be good, uh, accurate, right, Clint? Yes, sir. In the past, what we did is we send a resolution resolution to legislatures uh, and if the court so chooses to do that we can vote on that and do that the problem with it is we're two years down the road yeah. because you can't buy, introduce a new bill now but i think it's i think it's worth starting and i think you just can't use the whole noise as the bill or what you want i in my mind the best avenue to go is distance from a house from a compressor station our residents to it or, or oil well because I mean I that's a health and safety issue not only as a noise problem being that close. Has it has there been a lot of other complaints in Craig County with the same situation or just like the individual thing? The only other one that I've been personally aware of was the uh, the situation at Deerhaven and Round Top Road where there was a existing compressor station that had been there for quite some time. Uh, commercial business had moved in next door. They complained about the noise. Uh, that's a permanent year-round compressor station there, and kind of circumstance allowed that the oil company was able to buy a piece of adjoining land from the neighbor, and, and now they're going to move move their equipment around, put up the sound panels, um, and that's going to help some. I don't know that it's going to be you know the perfect solution, but it's going to get closer. Uh, it's going to allow them, it's kind of the standard method is what I'm hearing, that they put up the, the vertical insulated panels and some mufflers and things like that. Um, they're still going to hear the engine drone, but. Is that commercial business you're referring to? Are they operating at night? No. Just during the daytime? Just during the daytime, yes sir. So their complaint is during the daytime? Yes sir. Whereas I think these folks out here. And it's all hours. It's all hours, yeah. yes sir. Um, well, I think Commissioner McBroom brings up, yes, but yes, sir. So, uh, I also live on West Road. Uh, my name is Tom Mendel. Uh, so I think the legislation, and that is a great thing for the future. I think we need to push that and endorse it. The county needs to endorse it. And maybe you get other counties involved in it. I think that's a good solution for, for the future. Because I think, as you said, it's going to take a long time. We, we are in need, and from what I understand, the only person that can sue the oil company or do anything about it is the Attorney General of the State of Texas. And I'd like to see, I'd like to see a a, uh, a group of us write a letter to the State of the Attorney General of the State of Texas, and your 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 voice means more than mine does, and to, to 
<laughs> have y'all sat down with the oil company? I mean, sat down face to face in meetings? Yes, we have. And, and what have they told y'all? I drove down there and met with him, and, and Steve has been in constant contact with uh, the vice president of command. Here's the deal. Here's the way I feel about uh, the, 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 talking to the vice president Rand. Her job was in jeopardy. She chose this land. I think we're talking to the wrong person. She's going to fight it all the way for us to do anything in the valley because we spend more money. As far as the $60,000 that they spent, that's almost to invite him to meet you at your residence and let him sit on the back porch and say, let's have a meeting. They, they, and they did. And they did there? Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. Uh, if I may. Sure. Uh, yeah, we, we've been in constant contact with them and uh, part of the time they're blaming the compression company for the noise and uh, state that they're working with, with the compression company to get something done. This wall, sound barrier they put up is a joke. It's uh, corrugated tin suspended on metal poles and they sprayed it with Phone. It's not even above the engine of the compressor. Uh, there's things that they can do, but it appears to us that they just keep putting us off and delaying us down the line. And just so the, the court understands uh, our civil position in this, from the research that I've done on nuisance lawsuits against oil companies, I'll win Fayette County. Fayette County jury is, is going to rule with us and we will win. But then the oil companies in the past have appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has set precedent on what must be proven for a nuisance complaint, but every single case that we've researched somewhere along the way has been overturned by the court, and I'm sure that's because of all the oil companies' resources and revenue that they have to spend on with their attorneys or hopefully not the judges, but that's, you know, <coughs> We feel we'll win the county, but we'll be held in limbo by the appeal process. And you know, probably even if we all pulled our money together, I don't know that we can afford an appeal up to the Supreme Court. We can barely get through district court here in Bay County. Uh, let, let me let me see if I've got the position right as far as the last two gentlemen, please. When you visit with Magnolia, you say it's a, a, a lady, or whoever you visit with it. Do you find that their position is, no, we're not doing anything wrong? Or is their position, yes, we know we're doing something wrong and we're working to correct it? Uh, we started off with the uh, surface landman and the general landman. And as our complaint got more attention, we got up to the vice president of land and land administration. And in my initial complaints, or our initial complaints, the response from the general landman, well, what do you want us to do about it? And then it went from, well, we suggested. In other words, did he say, 
we don't see a problem, what do you want us to do about it? Or did he say, we've got a problem, what do you want us to do about it? They would not directly admit to the problem existing because of their liability, I'm sure. Uh, they did send the surface landman out with a decibel meter and he took some readings around uh, the location of the well pad and stated, that it, well, it's not that big of a problem, it's only so many decibels. Well, we're not complaining about our hearing safety and uh, concerns about our health. We're complaining about the nuisance that it creates in our home and on our property. So I don't care what the readings are. As long as that machine is running at a high RPM, we can hear it in our house, it disrupts our sleep, and it uh, destroys the peaceful enjoyment of our property. So their uh, recognition of the problem has been less than admitting it is a problem, other than saying that we'll, we'll see what we can do about it. And they did go out and, and build what they call sound barrier place. So as we sit here today, uh, would it be fair to say that they have been receptive to you in terms of conversation? They, they've been cordial? These conversations y'all have? I, I would say that's, that's, that's fair. I, they have returned my calls and my emails and my texts uh, recently. In the beginning, when they first started drilling the well, the well I think to contact them, and they would never contact me back. But I did speak with Intervest, who was the operator of the drilling operation, and their service landman and their general landman stayed in, in, in touch with us. Uh, and whenever we had concerns or complaints, we could communicate with them, <coughs> and they say, "Well, it's it's the normal practice of our industry." And but we tolerated it because we knew it was temporary. And then it wasn't until the suppressor came after they were finished, we were fine. When the compressor came on board, uh, that's when we began making contact with Magnolia directly because the investors out of it at that point. And they finally got in touch with us after I filed an official complaint with their ethics point group. Uh, they have acknowledged us, but their response has been, well, just live with it. Okay. All right, let, let, let me uh, throw this out to Mr. Watson, we, uh, Mr. Uh, Commissioner McBroom brought up the resolution uh, aspect of this. Uh, what are your thoughts, Mr. Watson, if you and Ms. Schubach, and since this is in Commissioner Sternoddle's precinct, Commissioner Sternoddle and I form a letter, send it to the president of the company, uh, telling us, to, stating our concerns, and then the resolution aspect, should one come before the other or should they both be in progress at the same time? What are your thoughts? Um, there's, there's not a kind of a set rule that says one should come before the other. I think it would be a good idea maybe to do both. Um, uh, I, like Commissioner McCroom said, you know, our, our resolution, it brings a lot of attention to the issue um, in our community, uh, certainly. Um, and having a discussion with the president, letting them know that the county is taking notice of this, um, I, I think would be, uh, I think both of those would be, you know, wise decisions. And I would, yes sir. You know, uh, another thing that if, if these landowners, your neighbors and them, before they sign these agreements with these oil companies to allow them 
to come on their property if they would take a close look at what they're signing and have something in there about that, we wouldn't be here talking about this. If, if you're gonna sign off and take that lease money and there's no, nothing in there, you know, it, it starts there. And then, you know, you're going after the oil company, but the oil company said, look, the guy leased us the land, we've had it tied up since the 80s, this is the lease agreement we have, and we're allowed to do that. So, you know, uh, you know, if, if the landowners would say, y'all can drill here, but we're not gonna allow any compressors or nothing on our property, you know, that maybe something to that effect would, uh, would eliminate some of this if it's close to a residential area, you know? Our subdivision is the, the only residential area in that immediate area. We're surrounded by cow pastures. And that's what made us uh, an oasis of, of peace and stability. We, we moved out there and live out there. The, uh, uh, the location where the well is, uh, of course, the lease encompasses a, a large area. But the property which the well pad actually sits on, we did contact the owner of that, that property. And uh, the owner of the property told us, well, we didn't really want it there either, but Magnolia has the mineral rights and that supersedes our surface rights so they can do what they want. So we did contact property owner where the well was located, but other than that, we don't have any neighbors around us. Right. Uh, but your point is taken, Commissioner. Uh, sometimes it's the unforeseen that becomes a problem. Exactly. Uh, what do the other commissioners, what are y'all's thoughts, gentlemen? Well, if if there's a setback rule of 1,200 feet from a, from a residence, I mean, who's to enforce that? It's not, a, it's not actual law. That's it's not a suggestion. It's, it's a suggestion, okay. I mean, I, I think it needs to be a law. A railroad commission would say that. That's not, it's, yes, so it's not a law. So th that's. Right, it's just a suggestion. Yeah, I'm, I'm not aware that there is a enforced setback. Okay. I called the railroad commission and they said that they have authority over density of wells, uh, the distance between wells, but nothing concerning property line construction. Well, they, they should have some uh, authority over um, distance from the lease line. So that there's a limit how close they can get to a lease line. Yeah, a lease line, but not a property line. But a lease line. Lease lease line. line. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I think that's that line anyway. But mainly it's a lease line. So, uh, the video that y'all showed the other day, how loud the noise is and all that when the compressor kicks on and everything. Do you think if they would do the things that you're asking, do you really think that that would quiet down enough to where it wouldn't be aggravating and still be manageable for y'all to live there? You know, as loud as it was, you know, just extending the walls a little bit and putting up some more insulation or putting the mufflers on there, do you really think it's gonna quiet it down that much to where it's gonna be manageable or is it still gonna be that loud and everything? I'm, I'm just, because he was talking about the other one in Round Top to where they had the walls and everything and the neighbors are still saying how loud it is. So I was just... Go ahead, Mr. Metal. We only have two options. And one of them is if they try to <coughs> multiple sound and the other is they move to the whole thing. And they're not going to do that. Yeah, I, so, I wouldn't think so. So we only have, we're left with only one option and that is to multiple, try to multiple sound. There are, there are noise engineers. I went to Chevron and hired them that come out and they mitigate the amount of noise that's coming from offices and whatever. I mean, there are people, uh, scientists on this. And we, I, I like to see them involved and, and all kinds of pay for it. It could be uh, extra foam, it could be um, mufflers, there's some kind of, and also I've been told by the production person, the sheriff 
this compression we have, sometimes it's quiet, and sometimes it's really, really loud. Have you ever asked Magnolia if they have like no, these, these? I intend to do that. I'm actually, I'd like to do what I'm going to do is uh, whether or not we do something here tonight. I'm going to write a letter to the president and say, these are the, we want this to happen. Please respond. Yeah. I mean, have you ever asked Magnolia if they have like these other mufflers you're talking about and stuff like that? If they have any of those on any of their other units anywhere else to where a person can kind of see how much is going to muffle the sound to see not. if it's even going to do any good or not? We are not. Yeah. My position is we're not experts in sure. sound, uh, silencing, sound deadening, and we're relying on the oil company to have the people or hire the people necessary Figure to affect sound. Only way you're going to do it, you're just going to have to go over the vice president's head and write a letter and tell the president that you've been in contact with this person and nothing's happening. And I mean, that's just all you have to do. That's exactly what I'm You just have to go over and say, you know, I've been in contact with this person <coughs> for however long it's been. We're not getting any results here. And I, I, we need something done. Or, or at least, can you come down here and meet with us so you can hear it for yourself? But I mean, obviously, this person's not getting the job done. And just go, we have to go over that person's head. Yeah. Uh -huh. My position is to do something to relieve us of the nuisance that we're experiencing, because it's literally driving me crazy. Uh, but the other option is not so selfish as that I would like to see something done long term so that other people are not exposed to the same nuisance that they have created for us by engaging the state legislature and asking them to, uh, or the attorney general, as he mentioned, to uh, enact some state law that would prevent from happening or given county's authority to deal with it at the local level, which seems to be the best option according to state law is that it's dealt with at the local level. Right, right. I, I, I would say that I speak for the court by saying that we would certainly be wanting to find an immediate cure-all and also a long-term cure-all. Yes, sir. Point taken. Right. You would think that the more that this gets out publicly, that Magnolia would want less and less of that kind of publicity out there and everything. So I would say, you know, I, I know the local papers, they did a great job covering everything, but even if you can go bigger than that and contact them, maybe some of the news stations and stuff like that, see if somebody would come down. You know how they always do their investigative reporting and all that. Once they draw a lot of attention to it, these companies are like, we don't need this kind of advertisement and stuff. Maybe we need to step in to do something. Maybe that would be something else that you might want to consider. I don't know if y'all have or not, but it's just. Go ahead, Go ahead Mr. Mendel. I, I just want to respond to the, so this is my personal plan here. I'm retired, and um, I am at 10 o'clock, I'm going to go, I'm a stockholder in, in Magnolia Oil Company. I'm going to listen in on their uh, stockholder meeting. Uh, the president's getting uh, I take my computer out and, and leave at 10 o'clock. I am prepared to go to Austin, to go to Houston, put in newspapers to put in going to all the way to Congress for they have put in a law that is only people that enforce it for uh, individuals. That's crazy. You can't have a law that it's only enforceable by us making a uh, uh, us going to court. I think I'm gonna get that changed. I've got lots of time and some money I'm gonna make it happen. Mr. Bendell bought stock so he could represent us. <laughs> 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 yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Make a comment. Um, about a year ago, there was a meeting held in Fayetteville 
And it was about the nuisance that the oil companies were creating. Remember, we all went to that. And what kind of surprises me was that it was at the red and white, and there was standing room only. And there was a bunch of people complaining about the nuisance that these oil companies are creating. And there were landowners where the oil companies had left and the mess that they have left on the land. They don't clean it up when they're finished, apparently. So I'm kind of surprised that um, there's not more talk going on about it. You know what I mean? And maybe it's because people don't know. You know, like they weren't aware of this meeting today. Um, but it just surprises me that there's not more people out talking about it. Um, because that, that place was packed. The other thing, just to comment real quick, I think is if enough of us make noise, they'll do something about it. I mean, they have smart people making generators and compressors. Um, it seems like they could come up with a processor, a compressor that wouldn't be loud like it is, right? They can make one that's quiet. Um, and the reason I know that is because we spent 30 years with FedEx. And we flew 727s. Well, guess what? 727s make a lot of noise when they get taken off. Well, about the mid-90s, we started getting tons of complaints about it. We had, ourselves as a corporation, had to come up with a way to quiet those planes down. And of course, our engineers came up with what they call the whisper game. Well, cut the noise level in half on those 727s. So I know it can be done. We just have to get the right people to listen and have them get their engineers to do something about it. You need to call one of the Austin stations and ask them to come down. They come down here for silly things, in my opinion, to do interviews with people. <laughs> Why don't you get them to come down and say, I'd like to invite you to my home and let you listen to this and put it on the radio. It's in Austin. Somebody in Austin got up to hear it and say, invite them to come down. Buy them lunch and say, come down. I want you to come here and here's my problem. And that's what I would do. I'd get them to come yeah, down They're more than happy to come down here and sit at your house and record that and say, that's going to get someone's attention. And tell us that we're in a drought, that we all know that we're and in a then drought. So. It, it, if going through district court, if, if that helps and gets conjunction and makes them shut down for a week or two, that costs them more money over there. It's going to get somebody else's attention. The president or somebody's going to be like, what's going on down there in Fayette County? Y'all shut us down for a week or two because of kind of injunction about the noise? That's going to get, the, that's going to get somebody stirring and say, what's going on down there? I just, if I could make one more comment. Um, we did have a landowner that invited the oil company to come out and listen to the noise from the compressors. Now this is another compressor down at the end of the road. Um, they came out, the day they, they came out, there was no noise. So I'm just saying. You're saying you're saying when they came out, there was no noise? There was, there was no noise. noise. Trip and, and actually yeah. what that president did was they wound up selling their house. Kind of like when you pull in the mechanic and your vehicle is making a noise and right behind you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I don't want to speak for the commissioners, but I think we've heard you loud and clear. Uh, so, gentlemen, let's discuss this with Mr. Watson and Mr. Sternadel, and how do you all want to proceed from here today? Yes, sir. Brief question. Yes, sir. What are the action items? I didn't hear you, sir. What, what are the, you're going to speak to the, the lawyers? Well, the, I was just, I was opening it up to the commissioners now to discuss this. Okay. We've heard what you've said. Okay. We acknowledge that you've got a problem. Right. So now I was just opening it up for conversation. Yes, sir. I would, I would just ask you at the end of, in 
would leave today if, if, if we could see some of the action items associated with this? Yes, we intend, we, if, if, if a motion is made to take action, we will do so. Okay. Yes, sir. I'm here about the noise problem also. Okay. It's a different type of noise, and we're dealing with something pretty sacred. You're talking about a barking dog. And uh, my wife and I are in our 80s. We retired. Lived in Crenshaw, a few hundred yards from the city limits of the branch. Who would, I guess, have jurisdiction to enact legislation. Uh, my wife has serious health issues. You know, with problems with sleeping. And sleep deprivation is really taking so long. These dogs bark. Middle of the night, this morning, 5.30. I get up about that time anyway, but she's still sleeping. The night before, 3 o'clock. And so it's cause, it's a real health hazard for her. And I know dogs are sacred. People say, well, dogs bark. Well, they do. I've had dogs, and I love dogs very much. And as a matter of fact, during the day, I go around and pet those dogs and try to calm them down. But the problem is, landowners are gone, working during the day, and everything that comes by incites those dogs to bark. FedEx, UPS, construction workers, whatever, yard men. And so it's a barking all day long, intermittently. But it's like a car coming up to your house. And somebody is sitting on the horn, same decibel level probably. These dogs are, one of them is huge, 110 pounds probably. It vibrates our house. And uh, so this is coming under that category of noise solution. And I know nothing's done at the county level, I've already checked on that. I see when you Google up, you can see where some, uh, municipalities have dealt with the problem, like Frisco, et cetera. And uh, it's a shame that we just live in a few hundred yards out of the city limits. We don't have any. Do you have a homeowners association there? It has no teeth in it, though. Not, not in that respect. Yeah, you need, you're going to have to start with those. You need to go to the president. You need to go to one of their, their, their meetings and sit in and voice your opinion to them and ask right. them to write an ordinance up for that. I agree with I you, mean, Mr. Burke. Well, they have, yeah, they have some strange provisions there where you can't really change the homeowner. Uh, bylaws or whatever, uh, uh, every so often, all this kind of stuff. So it'd be. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think Commissioner Birkenhoff is thinking the same thing I am. I've been if, to the if, if the Homeowners Association doesn't specify, then you need to have conversation with people. You need to be at those meetings, and, and because that's that's the only entity that I can think of that can give you some remedy. My, my summation of what I gathered from when I did view the homeowners is well I can just file a complaint and they go out and give them a notice that somebody's complaining about your dog you need to do something about it. There's no teeth in it, no fine, no, no nothing, no repercussions, you know, for what they're doing. And uh, again, like I said, I love dogs, but you know, this is a problem. This is a health issue. Yes. Yes. So I have land in Frishaw and I can tell you they're fairly strict on what I can do there. I don't know if that helps you, but I would, I would get, on, get on there, but I will. Yeah, 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 I'll, call, um, I'll call the president of the association when I leave and, and ask him about it. 
He calls me all the time about stuff. I'm going to call him and say, listen. <laughs> now, we, I have a problem with y'all. Y'all got, got dogs barking and waking people up. And you want me to come in and fix your problem? I need you to help these people yeah. fix theirs. I'll call him. It's an excellent point. I think Commissioner Bergenhoff's got the answer, yes. Your homeowners association, if they're lax on something like that, as Mr. Mendel says, they're pretty tough on everything else, they should be able to rectify that. I guess I'll just have to get a little more adamant about it and, and meet with them because I, I think if they I, get I'll, call them, Mr. Burkhardt, I'll call them. I'll call them without eager and, and talking yeah. about it. And uh, if nothing happens with that, well, then we'll pursue a meeting with you, possibly uh, if you're the state level. Or I don't think you need a meeting with Commissioner Birkenhoff. I think he's going to take care of your problem. I'm gonna, and then I need you, I only need after all your address so I can. So we're, I just need your address after a while after when we get done so yeah, I can tell where it's at, where the, where the North problem is. Yeah, so I'll get that from you. I need to leave now. Okay. 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 Go ahead well, and give it can you get it to Amber? She's right behind you. She'll write, or you write it on her pad. And then I'll, I'll address it until you're done. Good. I just have one final comment. Sure. Uh, this issue brought to my mind is that the, the, the structure of state, county, and municipal governments has changed over time, especially uh, from when the current laws were written and enacted by the state legislature. County governments have become more responsible and relevant to the regulations and ordinances of citizens in the county. So I think that uh, the fact that the state legislature kind of overstepped the county and gave the, the authority to municipalities, I think because of the, our population densities and our demographics today, County needs the same authority as the municipality. Okay. I know Mr. Mendel wants to make that 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Watson, could you give us an outline of how you see what the court needs action to take today? Um, sure. That we could have a motion to uh, put on an upcoming agenda um, for us to pass the resolution that we discussed today regarding the noise issue. Um, there wouldn't need to be any court action for us to uh, to get the letter out. Okay, so you're saying no court action to get the letter out. So I know that Mr. Mendel, I think, or some one of these gentlemen talked about the immediacy of this. Uh, is it possible, and I don't want you to commit to Ms. Shufak, but is it possible that between Ms. Shufak and you and I and Commissioner Sternoff, we could get together in the next 24 hours Formal letter, and I think Commissioner Sternoff, all in all, you have a rapport with Magnolia, so we could we could just uh, take, use that to our advantage. Get these people, if if need be, have them come down here, whatever it takes, sure. to get these people some relief. That would be fine, and we have Commissioner's Court next Thursday, yeah. uh, and so we would be able to have an item on there for the resolution. Okay, uh, at the next meeting. Could we do two resolutions and have one? pertaining to the distance of a residence to an oil well or compressor station and do another one addressing the noise just in case I think if we just do just noise I don't I don't want it to just fail because it's not going to protect anybody in the future but if we do that 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 setback for oil wells it's kind of kind of the same thing but also it's different sure. and maybe it'll protect a lot of people in the future might be easier to enforce the spacing versus the sound issue well, Mr. Watson, would, be, would it be appropriate for
for the court to uh, ask you, the court asked uh, the county attorney's office to draw up a resolution for the county to address the noise nuisance problem in the precinct two area. Would that be about what we're talking about? Yep, that would be fine. Yeah, if that's appropriate, I'll make that motion. I make a motion that we uh, lean on the county attorney's office, specifically Mr. Watson and Ms. Schubach, to draft a resolution stating that the court acknowledges that there is, there, that there are citizens uh, in the uh, Leslie Road area of the county who are concerned about the noise factor with Magnolia Oil and that the court uh, acknowledges that there is a problem and we resolve to work toward helping those citizens. I make that motion. I'll second that. Commissioner Stern, I'll second this motion. Do we do we need to? Don't we have to wait because then that would close the agenda item. Well, what, 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 do you what do you got? Um, that's the only other thing. Or you could do an amended motion later to include, include that along about with the, right. uh, the, our second part, the subdivision part. Yeah, since that's just um, the first just part of the agenda. We have item. One, one agenda item. Um, hold, hold on a second. <clears throat> Not to vote close to the single item. So you're saying that if we make a motion and vote on this, that we will be prohibited from discussing the ordinance, the remainder of the. Meeting? No, sir. I just think later when you make your, if you do an amended motion later, that you just include that as well as the subdivision okay. discussion. So we wrap this up here, this conversation, without action. Yes. And the, 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 what we do, it's going to be for the entire Fayette County, not just precinct two, right? I mean, it's yes. going to cover everybody. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes. yes, sir. All right. Unless anybody is opposed, let's take a five-minute break. Yes. I move to take a five-minute break. Second. Motion's been made. Uh, All in favor say aye. Aye. We're on a five-minute break. Yeah, just for a bridge walk or something. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. 
something that 
would be, as you say, user-friendly. Yes, sir. So I have just a, a rough version of how I think that framework could work, um, and hopefully to get some feedback and, and just kind of an intake at this meeting. I like to take comments, take suggestions, and, and this is certainly going to be a little bit of a process before any final product is delivered. Sure. I understand. Uh, yeah. We'll take it. Mr. Burton, you passed out some literature. Please explain. Yes, sir. Um, first, I want to thank you for putting this on the agenda. Um, when I started asking questions about subdivisions back in, I guess, January, February, I kind of I had there was a reason why I was asking these questions. And uh, you know, I've been studying these young surveyors, so I've, I've used these regulations for years, and I've worked in a lot of counties. I've seen a lot of regulations. I'm very familiar with these, and I recognize that ours are very, very out of date. And um, if you look at them and you start thinking what needs to be updated, you very quickly realize that there is a significant amount of the current regulations that are out of date that need to be updated. And I remember when Clint started this, he was just gonna look at this one thing and this one thing. And then like a week later, I talked to him and he was looking at five things. And then like two weeks later, you know, he was working on the whole thing. I, I think he very quickly realized that it's very hard to make substantial changes uh, inside of an existing framework. Because once you start to come around that string, you know, everything else starts to fall apart. So he tried to make a minor change and a minor change, and next thing you know, he's having to change the next thing. The next thing you know, we've got sig uh, substantially different, uh, in substance, of the same. I mean, they're not really changing rules or anything but they just, they look differently. And one of the things that I feel like the county needs to do is, the issue I keep pointing out that the county has is, you know, we grant a lot of variances. And if you're, again, if you're granting a lot of variances, <coughs> some indications, your ordinance needs some work. And as a county, I think we need to record more plats. I think the process, it is a fairly simple process right now. I want to leave it that way. But I think we need more plats recorded because there's an incredible benefit to reporting a plat of a subdivision. Imagine, if you will, a partition of five tracks for five bears where there is no plat. It's say, maybe it's exempt from the regulations or whatever. And there's, so now there's five sets of field notes with those plats, with that track. And now there's maybe each set of field notes is two pages long. So there's now 10 pages of field notes for that one transaction. And so every time somebody conveys a lot, you've got a two-page deed and a two-page field note, you've got a four-page document. Well, when you record a plat of a subdivision, that plat is deemed to be the most, uh, to be the best way to describe that parcel and meets and bounds are no longer needed. So suddenly, if you have a, replat, a, plat of, a recorded plat of a subdivision, you don't need 10 pages of field notes. You only need the reference to the book and page that the plat is recorded in. So when I sell lot one of this such and such a subdivision, there's a paragraph right here that says it's lot one of the Deerhaven subdivision according to this plaque. And it takes a sentence to describe that and it limits two pages from that document. Imagine all the deeds of trust and all the deeds recorded in the courthouse with field notes attached to them and how many pages of those books could be eliminated if you simply remove those field notes and, and put these plaque descriptions in there instead. So, I mean, we talk about that all day long, but the point is, is that I feel like it's, it would be beneficial to the county to record more plats. So say anything with four lots and not, I think I'll have a recorded plat. 
and again, when I looked at our regulations and I tried to figure out how we might work some of these changes in, I can't figure out how to work these changes in within the existing framework because it just there's, there's too much that needs to change. Um, I've lost my kind of thought. There's a lot going on. I've been thinking about this for a, a long time, but. Um, It'll come back to me in here. I can move on. So another thing I think we need to consider is whether or not we want to have an administrative approval. Some of these subdivisions that we work with are simple to the max. I mean, there's just there's two lots. It's a it's a ten acre and a five acre, and there's there's no side lots. There's nothing. Does that really need to go before commissioners' court, or do we want to have have a procedure for Clint to administratively approve some really simple subdivisions? And that's just another example of something. I, I'd like to see classes worked in. Not all subdivisions need to be recorded. Most of them do, but not all of them. And I'd like to see an administrative procedure, potentially. And those are two things we don't have that a lot of counties do have. But again, it's very hard for us to work that into this existing framework. Um, a fourth thing, four years ago, the state made radical changes to the subdivision law. And they took out the 60-day time frame that we had, and they put in what I would have to describe as a fast lane. You no longer have 60 days. They took away your ability to require a preliminary plat. You can no longer require a preliminary plat for a subdivision. It's expressly forbidden in the law now. So you have 30 days, and only 30 days, and you can only consider a final plat. I mean, you can consider a preliminary sketch, but it's, it's, in, in other words, when these plats come forward, you've got 30 days to consider them, and, the, and, they're, and they're making more changes right now to the, to the law, so anything we do before the end of May may have to change with what the legislature's doing. Why, why are they changing that? I mean, I, I need to know. I mean, why? Uh, so, what reason? Prior, four years ago, there was a section in the law on procedure that was this law, and it said you had 60 days and under certain circumstances. And I believe what's happening is there were so many jurisdictions that were putting off, they were um, prohibiting growth by, by prohibiting the applications from going forward. They're having too many requirements. You have to submit too many documents. It's making it too hard, taking too long, dragging their feet. People are getting frustrated. So now in 2019, now there's this much on procedure that's outlined by state law. It's no longer just a single section. It's like five sections on procedure alone. And it's all detailed. You know, before they, they said this much, now they say this much. Well, our existing regs and even the one Clint, Clint's proposing doesn't mention any of that new procedure. And there's a lot of it. And, you know, how, imagine a city that's got a 50 acre, sub, a 50 lot subdivision with roads and all the drainage issues, but they can't require a preliminary plan? How do you review that to make sure it's Acceptable before you go through the trouble of laying out roads and setting property markets. Mr. Mr. Burns, that's that's a hypothetical question about what the city's going to do. Yeah, yeah, I understand that they, they took away an important tool of jurisdictions have to approve subdivisions, and that's a preliminary plat. You can't require a preliminary plat to review a subdivision anymore. Mr. Sterno, are you taking those comments that Mr. Burns has made? Yes, we've uh, we've spoken in my office. Uh, several times, several times and, and I've taken and a lot part of... part of what he's saying 
is your goal is to make the pamphlets more user-friendly so people moving in know what their regulations are? Co correct. Yes, sir. Uh, and, and when Mr. Burns is done, uh, what I would like to do then is kind of walk the commissioner, start to finish, do what I have, right, and get feedback along the way. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Burns. Uh, before we, uh, let me ask a question, please. What's the minimum amount of acreage a person can have in Fayette County to have a to have a water? So, the big question I get a lot of times, realtors, landowners, how much acreage do I need? Yes, sir. Uh, two acres for a well and septic. Is that what other counties in our area are doing? Uh, a lot of other counties are less. Uh, adjoining counties are less. The state minimums uh, are less. Uh, Fed County, through Mr. Durst before I was here, uh, he incorporated that. Uh, the, the nature of that comes from the septic system uh, regulations that the county has. That's where that two-acre rule, uh, two-acre rule, that I kind of refer to it as steps from. Well, us personally, I hope we don't go any. No, I don't know if anyone here. I don't think we're going to go any lower than that. No. Right? No. Agreed. I believe Colorado County is one acre. Is that correct? One yeah, acre. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to point out that the higher, I'm not sure this is obvious, the higher the acreage, um, the more expensive the lots. And if you're, you know, with the rising cost of land, I just had a question where would you expect young adults to live these days? You know, and there's been talk of increasing it to five acres even. And go back to the time frame when they said you had to have five acres to have a water problem. Who in this day and age, what young adult can afford a five acre tribe? I don't want to get off the subject, Mr. Burns. Right. I don't think anybody's advocating okay. going up. Okay. Well, I would say that whenever it was a five acre minimum, you didn't have all the smaller lot sizes to where they didn't jack the prices also. Five acres back then was way cheaper than what five acres is now. And the reason why the acreage went up, the amount of acre, the amount per acre went up is because they started subdividing it smaller and smaller, and then you were able to push the price up. Right, Mr. you're going to share something with us? Yes, and so this is the packet that uh, was emailed out to you. This is just the same first page. I'm just, uh, for a visual aid, it, nothing else. Just so you have something to look at and, and kind of get my perspective in here. Uh, and I think Cassie has some more copies. Yeah, I So... Starting, starting off with the regulations, I kind of divided mine into, you know, the citizen wants to divide some land. The big thing they need to know is, do I need to go down this platting procedure, uh, or do I need to just, am I exempt? Do I need some exemption where I can call a county office and get this resolved in a matter of 30 minutes? And that's the big question of how I set this up. So the first section references the state code for exceptions in 232. Uh, the one you had first said all these exemptions and spelled them all out and kind of burned up a lot of paperwork with explanation. So the one I just gave you accomplishes the same thing and takes about two pages out. It says the state code is in 232 and just gives a list of the items. Uh, giving it to a family member, all your lots are more than 10 acres, you're not building a county road. Quick examples. So I think some of the benefit to laying it out this way is the, develop, uh, the person looks at it and says, well, I don't meet any of these exceptions. They skip on to the next one. Or 
the person says, well, I'm dividing this land of my family. I meet an exception. I don't need to go any further. I know I meet an exception. I'm going to call the county guy and tell him this is what I'm doing and go that route. To try to keep someone from having to wade through the weeds, essentially, of reading all the road specs, the bond requirements, that might not even apply to them. Um, so, do you, the commissioners have any input? Um, do you like all the definitions spelled out? Or would you kind of like the cleaned up one? Um, my personal opinion would be that where it's more of a list item on right. the second version I handed out to you. Uh, Definitely. Something Mr. Burnson and I had talked about. Get to uh, the point. The, the less we put in here as well, when the state does updates and changes, all mine says these exemptions come from the state code 232. Here's a list of them. If that vocabulary changes anything right there, we're it's fluid. It stays whatever the state says. We're just saying this is where it comes from. Um, we're not trying to restate the same thing that they could look up online. So as you would look through this, that's majority of the first page. Um, so in the example here, the first is just exemptions, reasons you would not need to have a plat. Uh, that's the whole first two pages there. When you get to page three, I included this uh, administrative approval of applications that meet the exemptions from platinum. So if you're the citizen, you looked in that first list and you said, I, I think some of these apply to me. I'm, I'm pretty sure they do. I don't need to mess with the platting. This paragraph would give them the route to send me the application, allow me to make sure that it does meet what the state says, and then for our office to approve it. Uh, much like the case is with 10 acre tracks and the like now. Uh, this is not a current county rule. This is just in here for your guys' consideration. Uh, kind of to read through that, see how you feel about it. Uh, Mr. Burnson brought up the point that uh, a lot of situations that come before the commissioner's court now, uh, when they say variance, the public, I think, may get lost in the lingo there a little bit. Uh, we're not giving a variance from our rules. We're not giving all these special situations every time. It's a variance from the platting requirements. Uh, it means, yes, you're cutting off two acres. The landowner needs some money. Uh, he's going to cut two acres off the corner and sell it. So we're giving, the court is giving him a variance from the platting requirements because it is two acres and it has public road frontage. So not, said, not a variance from the regulation? Yes, sir. Not a variance. We're not giving them some skirting of the rules. It's a variance from the state's platting requirements. And so that <coughs> language is sometimes lost to the public that might not be as familiar with it. True. And yeah. so this is something for you commissioners to chew on and, and kind of see how you feel about that. It would take uh, a lot of those kind of very simple items off the agenda, uh, the ones that, and that's what I tried to include in there, that do meet the minimum acreage requirements and do meet the frontage requirements of the commissioner's court. Uh, now, oddity situations, for sure, things with flag lots, uh, things that might have a very irregular shape, uh, that have any kind of strange certain 
requirements, I did include the language in there of may be approved by the county permitting office. If it's something I don't feel comfortable about, if it's something that I think warrants the court's oversight, it would allow me to still say, this does meet everything, but I think it needs the commissioner's court approval on. Um, this is a, what I have listed as number two there, that is a something new for consideration. That is not county rule at this time. Uh, where, are you, where are you at? Uh, uh, page three, number two at the top. Administrative, administrative approval, approval is the, yes sir, administrative approval is the kind of title I gave to that topic there. And for, for those in attendance who perhaps are not aware, anytime we are dealing with a landowner that wants to sell off 10 acres or less, it must come before the court. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. That situation, uh, flag lots, uh, all those are situations that come before the court at this time. Uh, so I think I'll... I'll go through the rest of this and then kind of come back and touch on a few items and, and ask for some feedback on those. Okay. So you're saying as long as everything would meet the requirements that we have, you wouldn't bring it to Commissioner's Court anymore? If you so chose. Well, what, what, was, what was your question, Commissioner? If they would meet all the requirements, he wouldn't bring them to Commissioner's Court anymore, even if they were below uh, 10 acres per lot to get subdivided. I'll, I know I was the one that said it last time, and I'll still stand by it. I kind of like to know, even though it meets the requirements and everything like that, it's nice to know what's getting divided up as your precinct. And, you know, if you have a big, huge hay patch and within a week's or two weeks' time, you start seeing everything getting flagged, what's the first thing that the neighbors do? All the neighbors call the commissioner. They want to know, hey, what's going on over there? Uh, <coughs> I don't know. You know, you got to call Clint's office. Well, you're the commissioner. You know, we voted you. You don't know what's going on in your precinct? Sure. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I can see, it, so, both, I can see it both ways. I just, I think it's I still think good it, to bring it up to where you're, the commissioner knows what's coming in. Yeah. And, you know, if you, know, if you have... Nothing but hay patches down the county road, and you know the farmers don't mind the road being a little rough and everything like that. If you have to fix roadways and other places where people are living and they have houses and everything like that, to where you know all this is coming in, you know, hey, I'm gonna have to go ahead and I'm gonna have to fix this road, or I'm gonna have to update it a little bit and try so, to uh, rebuild so it. So basically, you just want to be aware of it. It doesn't necessarily have to be voted on. Yeah. You just wanted the commission to be aware of what's going yeah. on in this place. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what's, the, what's the negative of what Mr. Commissioner Grossman just said, Glenn? In other words, I, can, I agree with what he's saying. Is there a negative to it? Uh, that's business as usual, how the county operates right now. Um, and you know, I can understand that a commissioner would want to know that. Yes, and I, I don't know that there's a negative to it. Um, keeps Cassie busy with putting items on the agenda. Uh, and that would be something we could maybe organize, you know, as a lump item where I could present these five items, sure. uh, these are variances, but they all meet the minimums. If the court would like to look over them and approve yeah. five through eight, yes. they're all good to go. Yes, sir, Mr. Burton. Uh, I just want to say that I don't recommend this for all subdivisions, but only for certain simple ones. So anything above a certain threshold would always go to commissioner's court. And so I'm only recommending administrative approval for really, really uh, simple things, and, uh, and there was another point there. I can't. Well, I'm more interested right now in what his recommendation is. Go ahead, sir. Uh, sure. And so that's. I don't think there's a negative to it. Uh, that's how we're operating right now. Like I said it does keep the commissioners informed. It keeps the agenda full yeah. on occasion. Uh, I don't think we're going to change. If you would lump them all together and everything like that, we just approve them all together. That way, everybody just knows what's going on in the precinct. That's all right. right. 
And that's that's what we're here for. It's just all kinds of discussion today. Okay. Nothing exactly. Uh, so that's that would cover what we've discussed. The majority of probably the applications we receive, the exemptions uh, that don't require platting, whether it's cutting off two acres, uh, family dividing land, or transactions between neighbors. That whole section. My primary concern is uh, water and septic. I want to make sure, in, for my part, I want to make sure that, that there's land. I, I don't want to go down less. That's, That's my opinion. Uh, I, and, and I, I want to, if it's two acres. Now, what if there's little water in front of the property? It's two acres. Okay. My question was at one point. Since the state requirement is one acre, is is there have is there can somebody come and say and say Fay County, the state requires a half acre or one acre, and say why how do y'all have jurisdiction over the state of Texas? Y'all say two, but the state says one. Why can't we just do on one, Mr. Watson? I mean, can they sue the say I'm gonna sue Fay County because I want to do one acre? I think I can answer that. Okay. Okay. Um, so the tier of that authority works as the state is very broad and it allows everybody to be more restrictive. Just like we're talking about with the noise, the state makes a very uh, less restrictive one. The counties can be a little more restrictive and then municipalities really can uh, tell you how tall your grass needs to be in your front yard. That's kind of the trickle down effect. So the state just has their small lot minimums. And then our septic ordinance has to be approved and endorsed by TCEQ. The commissioner's court can't decide if we're gonna make all lots five acres and change our septic rule. If we do so, we have to send it to the state and justify why at this TCEQ. And then the TCEQ would decide if that is necessary or not. Uh, back when Phil was here, uh, he had done that through TCEQ, and that's where we have the two-acre two-acre rule for septics that we had in that trickle-down effect. Uh, now, if we had an area like Clear Lake Pines or Frischoff that said, you know, we, as an HOA, as a smaller governing body, we want to make our little neighborhood five acres, then they are, they have that ability to. Uh, they can never be less restrictive than the county, and the county cannot be less restrictive than the state. But that, that's kind of the hierarchy and, and where that enforcement came from. Sure. And some people, some people still don't understand why I went from five to two. It's because the water well restrictions were not legal the way they were doing it, and they have to drop it down. All right. Things that the state level changed, the, the given authority at the state level changed as far as what governs the water well, and they was proven they did not have that authority. And that's what I was just asking because it was proven that they didn't have the authority to do it. But, but as a county, as state county, we have the authority to govern it, to rule as two acre. Just because, just because, because, if, because if of If I'm that. correct, the commissioner's court does not have authority to regulate lot size. The only reason the county, Fayette County, has the authority for two acres is because through the septic system uh, ordinance that's endorsed by TCEQ. Yes, sir, Mr. Burns. I believe they claim that the authority to regulate area through subchapter E. And when I was studying the bills in Constant, the state right now, there are some legislators who have put forward bills to try and prohibit 
the regulating of lot size by amending subchapter E. So I'm taking, the, I'm presuming that that's where the authority to regulate the area comes from subchapter E. It's general rulemaking authority. And it, I think it's, a lot of things that have come before court lately, whether it's noise ordinance or dust control, uh, the commissioner's court has very little authority over property owners' rights out in the unincorporated area of the county. Very little, and I'm not sure that the commissioner's court, aside from the wastewater, could come in and say two acres, five acres. I, I don't think it's there. Uh, because I think the limit, the, your ability to limit lot size is related to the septic requirement and they allow y'all to set higher septic standards than the minimum state standards. So I mean I don't know for sure. But. So I don't think our two acre is going anywhere. I feel very safe that it's set in stone as long as we have the support of the court and the state. Yeah. Uh, so next the next section I will go through would be flat required. So if you were a citizen, you looked at the first section and said, well, I'm, I want to put in some roads and I want to sell six lots and uh, you know, make this little neighborhood. The first section doesn't apply to me. They hit this next one, flat required. And so the first section there uh, tells them that under state code, where that flat requirement comes from and uh, the time appro timely approval of plats and plans that Mr. Bernson referenced, that's in the state code there. And rather than, I think that's an appropriate method, rather than spelling it all out, and if changes come at this session, next session, if we just say this is where those are, we stay fluid with the changes that happen at the state level. Uh, and it keeps our document concise and user-friendly. We, we don't need to regurgitate all the state language in here, and then it goes out of date, and we have to keep updating and updating. So that's just a little bit of my perspective. Well, I understand. Um, one item I included in there in that first paragraph, this is also something I think the court has intention of considering, but it's not a county ordinance. Uh, to add, or if the parent tract would be divided into more than four daughter tracts in a period of 12 months from the original application. Uh, this was something, and the four is just a number I put in there. This could be two, three, four, five, whatever the court feels like. So if a person, wants to create a tract with six lots and sell them, as long as they are over 10 acres, if it's a 60 acre hay field and they make 10 acre lots, they do not have to do a plat right now. They send me an application and say, here's 10 acre tracts, they all have public road frontage. I send the approval letter and it's good to go. If we, the commissioner's court would like to put a number there that says anytime you're creating four lots, five lots, six lots, you would have to do a plat. That plat would come before the court uh, for consideration. So that's what I wanted to get to this point to kind of tie into uh, what Drew said earlier. He doesn't want to you know, go be checking county roads and all of a sudden there's six new house slabs out there uh, and he had just patched a road that now he's for sure he's gonna have to plow up and redo. It's not an efficient use of his time or money. Sure. Um, because the intensity of development seems to be kind of an initial cause of whether it's noise problems, dust problems, drainage issues, county road gets tore up by concrete trucks. When you get a concentrated intensity of development. Um, 
So that's kind of where we would take that number into consideration. A number of lots, because I would expect that's number of new houses. Uh, whether it's 20 acre tracks, if there's six new houses going in there, that's a lot more traffic on your county road. Now hold on, you, when you say 20 acres, you're talking about the total amount? Each track. Oh, each track. Each track. Uh, if they're all 20 acres, you know, we have an image of that being a comfortable distance from our neighbors on 20 right. acre tracks. Yes, sir. But for the commissioner's perspective, you know, if that's six new tracks, that's six new homeowners, that's six new slabs that are going to get poured, no. uh, they're all going to build driveways, that's going to affect drainage. Sure. Um, so that's something the commissioner wants to be aware of. If there's two houses built on a county road, probably not going to have a big impact. So how did you come up with the number four? Kind of just put it in there as a placeholder. So, uh -huh. Would you say that four is a recommend, recommended number? But it's the same as the uh, family division of yeah. property. It's the common number, number here is about the same. Yeah. And then, but certainly open to, I think four is a place to start. Right. Um, that number, and that, this is the whole concept of this is just my suggestion, but that number would probably play a little bit of effect on how many plats come before the court. Um, there was a previous one. Uh, that I think was on Old Lockhart Road in Jason's Precinct. Uh, all the lots had road frontage. It was eight or ten lots. Um, that developer, he chose to plat it, simplify his transaction process. He said, here's eight tracks. All have county road frontage plat. It was a very simple approval through the commissioner's court. Um, there wasn't any road work involved, but that, that would kind of be what you would see. Um, Mr. Burns, do you want to make a comment, sir? Yeah, I just want to say that this four lots in 12 months, I can see this as a way to prevent someone from circumventing the rules. So yes. if they didn't want to do a plat, well, I'm just doing one lot, and then they sell that lot. And then three months later, I'm just doing one lot, and they sell that lot. So I like the idea of putting time limit on. So if one person can't just keep doing one lot subdivisions and, you know, and circumvent the, the fighting rules. That was my intention for the 12 lots within uh, four lots within 12 months of the original application. Right. Uh, so I'll move on, and that's just uh, also something to chew on for the commissioners and, and give me feedback, and not even necessarily today. Yeah. I would expect you would be out in your area, and hopefully this comes to mind if you see some new development, and maybe you think five would be an appropriate number. Right. Um, five or more would probably cut down on the number of flats that come through court. Understood. So, just food to chew on. Um, so, the next items um, at the with approving timely approval of plats and plans uh, in accordance with state code 232 there and the platting procedures attached in Exhibit A. So, this is the first time you see that I put in there an attached Exhibit A. Uh, so, Mr. Bernson. Told you guys earlier about how the courts have 30 days to consider and approve these plats. Um, one of the things in Exhibit A that's at the back of your packet, this is the platting procedure. This is something the court approved, and this is what I would give to a developer that gives them the layout of what they need to do and how they need to do it. Um, tells them when to submit plats. Tells them not to sell plats until the court has approved them. Uh, tells them what size paperwork it needs to be put on. 
which kind of digital files we need to receive so that Dawn can do her end of that. Um, this is also where the application fees are and the signage fees. Uh, so this is kind of an example of the court has talked about the sign fee. That's a county ordinance, but it's not on our website. It's not in our two old 2001 stuff. So that's part of this kind of organization. Um, and my intention with the exhibits, the first one is the platting procedure. Uh, behind that is the county road specs. Talks about the asphalt aggregate and the two course. Uh, the section after that is the right-of-way bond that we approved at Commissioner's Court. I structured it that way, so if you're reading through the applications and you say, well, I'm, I know I have to put in a county, I know I have to have a plat. person can read through here and say, well, Exhibit A is the procedures, that applies to me. Exhibit B talks about road specs, which is I'm not building a road. I'm going to go down Old Lockhart Road, make all these tracks have frontage, so I don't, I don't need to congest what he's reading with two pages of aggregate and asphalt specs. If it applies to you, go look at the attached exhibit. Uh, trying to make it user friendly. So real quickly, if you are planning it, you start going through this section, tells you they all need to be lots of two acres each to meet our septic rules. It's exhibit B, that is the county road specs. Talks about if you want to do the bond, not all developers choose to do the bond. They like to build the road. Uh, wait till the road is complete, then that would exempt them from the 3.14 section exhibit C. That was the bond that was previously approved at Commissioner's Court. Um, talks more about the bond. Uh, the next part just talks about private roads. Uh, this is in our existing uh, infrastructure. If all of your tracks are 50 acres or more in area, uh, the road used for access to those may be a private road, and it has to be stated as such. The language there, that's from our existing regulations. Uh, and then mobile home, mobile home manufactured communities or RV parks. So if you're doing either one of those and you're preparing a plat, you can look straight to that section. It tells you, well, that's an Exhibit D. You would go to the back, you know, uh, again, to keep it clean. Excuse me a second, please. Yes, sir. Let's go back to that bond. Is three years, is that a practical time period? Uh, that's what was approved at the previous commissioner's court when we discussed the road and right-of-way bond. Uh, that, that's for roads that have been newly, con newly constructed county roads that are intended for public use and county maintenance. Okay. Yes, sir. Should we put something in this section that pertains to if it's a platted subdivision, they need to provide a spot? on the plat for a mailbox receptacle. And then the other thing is, should we require them if they have an entry on a state-maintained highway to have an approval for the entrance as a subdivision, not just an entrance? Correct. Uh, so that way the state would know that they're responsible for putting the stop sign up. They're knowing that it's going to be a larger subdivision to make sure the traffic this site distance is good for safety. That was a, that was a required state? Uh, tech stop. Required tech stop. If it's on a tech stop maintained road, require that they get approval from tech stop as an entry to a subdivision. And the reason I say that is in the past, what they were doing, they just called, the developer called, say, I need an entry here. 
Well, TxDOT didn't know it was going to be a subdivision. They just thought it was an entry. Well, and different requirements. And we don't, it all kinds of goes to the stop sign that's on the state maintained road. That is TxDOT's. That's not ours. Mm -hmm. uh, TxDOT maintains all the stop signs on state main, on, where a county road intersects into a, a state maintained road. But they also want to know, too, is the sight distance they can see each direction to make sure if there's going to be a large traffic area or a large amount of traffic that it is a safe sight distance. So would you, would you require a, like a document from the state to be included with the application saying we grant permission just a simple? And you, yeah. an appropriate place to put that would be uh, under the docs and info as, or as part of the, yes, I guess that's it. And then the other, the other, some of the other things that I had on the, uh, tell me if I'm going in the wrong order, but sure. the uh, road specifications. Okay. We need to change the, uh, the asphalt or the, the paving oil being used. We need to add in AC15P as a paving oil, acceptable paving oil. And then we need to put minimums uh, where we have 0.3 gallons per square yard. I think we need to put a minimum and then the rock, same thing, put a minimum. So they could, this came up the other day with one of the engineers said we need more. Well, this is just kind of a minimum. They can always use more material or more paving wall. So you're saying insert the word or more? Yes. Or the verbiage? Or, or a minimum or for the aggregates. Okay. Uh, and then if we could do some type of disclaimer at the bottom, any other changes shall be approved by Commissioner's Court, because every paving contractor has a different mentality. Uh, okay. In the past, we've approved it, but I think we need to. It's, it's usually on the engineer's plans, so. You know, when you're talking about the text dot, when you're coming out onto the text dot road, it, it really has, it has to be approved by text dot because it's, those are all, uh, is all and, you know, when it comes to, to their driveways, I mean, you've got to get a, a permit to text off of the driveway, if there's going to be a pipe there. But the so, problem is, is that people, I mean, there was one going on 159, they permitted it as just a, as a, a entry into a piece of property, yeah. not as a subdivision. And that changes the whole scenario. Yeah. I think they have a regulation on it, if it's a temporary or permanent entrance, that's the only regulations that I'm aware of. Textiles, if it's going to be a permanent one or a temporary. A lot of this came about when trying to figure out who owned the stop sign. I mean, who was going to put it up? And that's when I kind of made it all the way up to Rodney Speck and Textile. And that's when we kind of said, you know, it, it probably wasn't conveyed to them when they permitted it that it was going to be a, a subdivision. It was just an entry. And it was permanent entry, but it was just Because then at some point, they're going to put up the signs that says, Texas, I was going to put the signs and say whatever road's coming up, whatever the lane is. Well, that, they won't do that, but they'll put the stop sign up. It'll be a text stop and take stop sign at the intersection. Don't they? I don't know if they put the approach signs up anymore. I don't. I think they stopped so. it. Oh, they stopped it. Because, I mean, I know the roads we have them on there, but yeah, okay, so, so they may not do it. Okay. Because those were all supposed to be taken down. Mm. Uh, I think Judge Ed kind of stop that because they were actually taking it down. Okay. 
only other thing I'd say. Yeah. On the uh, on the widths for the paved road, the shoulder. I know we've had issues with this, not kind of seeing it, and it does say it in here, right, that there should be a five-foot shoulder on each side of the pavement, but it's kind of, I don't know if maybe we could have a diagram to show them just so it's easier yeah. to see. I was confused. I wasn't sure what shoulder shoulder meant. And yeah. I actually figured it out. Yeah, or just say it sh shall have a five-foot shoulder on each side of the paved road. But if it got a 30-foot base and paving 20, I mean, it seemed like that would it, be It's in here, but it's kind of confusing. We had it. Yeah. We had a developer. Percent clear for all the non-road folks. We have. I figured it out. But we even had an engineer not figure this out. Um, just to make it, just to simplify it. <coughs> and the, the final paragraph I had there, as far as uh, kind of organized language, uh, was just if the subdivision is partly in a ETJ or of a municipality. A lot of this comes from our existing stuff too. If they're putting in a development that's on the fringe of the city limits or another incorporated city, there's a certain section there where they get kind of first right of say so on it, uh, whether the county subdivision rules will apply or the cities. How far is the ETJ? The ETJ is based off of population, and I think for all Fed counties cities it's a half a mile. Uh, I think LaGrange is kind of getting on the cusp of going to that next threshold where it goes up to one mile. Threshold is 5,000. 5,000 population goes from half a mile to a mile. Uh, and I believe one of, the, one of the maps we can look on, it'll put it on there and it'll show you. Uh, yes. It'll draw, it'll show you. Dawn's map has a way to overlay yeah. that for when that item does come into question. Okay. On the uh, subdivision within the ETJ of municipality, should we say once again, to make it simple, should we say division of, or division of property? And I know subdivision, but to make it clear that it doesn't, not just platted subdivisions, it's just any division of property has to go through that. The last sentence though, how is the county clerk gonna know that they need to require the proper I'm documentation? Sorry, I'm very gonna give us, you know, what we need to be looking for. That's on number so number four, the last sentence. County clerk may require written proof of an exemption from municipality be filed with a record plaque. But if somebody just comes file one, how would she know? So if anybody is recording a plat, that plat would have had to have been approved through the commissioner's court first. Um, Even though it's an ETJ? go to the municipality, right? Yeah. I think in the past it's been, I mean, it, it's been like that. I think the city approves it first and then it comes to commissioners court. So we've had very few of those, but that's been the process. Sort of like the Hope Hill area here that technically was outside of the city limits, even though it visually is in close proximity, but uh, that plat was required to go through the city council first before the commissioner's court would have had any approval on it. Yeah. I think there's some situations where both have to approve it. I think I remember yeah. that, that particular subdivision was actually 
partially in the city and partially in the, in the county. In, so there was all in the So the change on on that is it depends on how they're going to how their utilities are going to be. And the Hope Hill situation, just, just as an example here, uh, went through the city approval first, and the city was going to provide utilities there. So that's where that's where it ended. If that situation happened, the city and they were going to all have septic systems or water wells. Uh, the city would say, you know, we do or don't approve certain parts, and we're going to kick it to the county for further approval since we're the governing body over those utilities. So that's usually the change as far as where the process stops. If the city uh, furnishes water septic to somebody in ETJ, do they have to annex them in? What's the question? If the city uh, furnishes the water or sewer to an individual that's in the ETJ, after they do that, do they have to annex them into the city limits? No. We have, I mean, you take City of LaGrange utilities, they go all the way to Reutersville. Uh, brand new subdivision, I mean, Oakland Meadows, a portion of that is City of LaGrange electricity. So the, uh, Cedar Creek, I'm not familiar with the annexation requirements of the city, uh, but it does create a situation like the apartments. They're outside the city limits, but I'm pretty sure they have fully city Utilities. I would say that the city has the discretion. It's not mandatory that they that they annex them in. Would that be a safe way to say it? But annexation has changed drastically. You can't just annex anything anymore. It's there's a whole. It's got to be in there. And there's so many years out plan. I believe the uh, the citizens have to petition the city for annexation. That, that is the end of the ordinance and then, or the proposal, the ordinance, and then just all of my attachments uh, behind there. Um, the other section was the amendments and when they were approved. And, and again, with the amendments, I, I think it would be appropriate to do kind of how I talked about that cover page where I listed, you know, amendment this is when it was approved this is what it talks about and if that's something that might apply to your situation you can go to exhibit abc at the back and see so it essentially kind of makes this a quick read and then you can go through and see what applies to you and then go find the meat of that and which attachments at the back um, just a little difference in framework, but really hits all the same topics. The uh, version, um, or kind of just the layout, I think on Mr. Bernstein's uh, handout, has a lot of the same content. Doesn't have anything different than my version. Um, just things to consider if you have any input from looking at one version or the other that you might like or see. Changes to be kind of meshed between one or the other. They're just uh, basically and examples of the same you content. Come, you come here today after studying counties in our area. Uh, yes, sir. Um, and it's a little bit of both. Uh, sure. And I'd like to kind of take the best of all those versions for ours. Yeah. Mr. Bernstein? I don't remember what it was he said. I was going to comment. I was just kind of talking about the framework of yours. Oh. Yeah, so the, I, I'm not trying to present anything today because I don't, this is not really the venue. 
But as he's working on this, I'm doing my own thing. I'm, I'm kind of playing with it, but I've been experimenting with a, an online version of these regulations. And so if you look at the what I handed you, the color, the part that's in color, that's actually available on the internet. And you know, you take Clint's Word document and you turn it into a text file and run it through a program and basically create, puts it in a website. And the, the point is, is if you, this is for another day, but if you just slightly change how you do the document, you can very easily put it off, make it available on the website with a whole host of additional features and benefits. And that's, this is a sample of it. I can't, I need a computer to demonstrate it. But it's, I, I think our ordinances need to go online and this might be a first step in that. Point taken and I think you're well aware of what he just said. Yes, sir. Um, so just to kind of a quick recap, the things I would like some commissioners uh, feedback on now or as time goes forward. I just kind of the high spots that are going to make a difference of what I put in, how it goes, um, and to certainly drive around your precinct and chew on and tell me how you think it would affect you good or bad. Uh, the administrative approval. Uh, is that something you want to entertain my office handling or not? And the minimum number of lots that would be required for a plat. That's, those two things kind of go hand, hand in hand. Uh, those two items are going to change what you see on the commissioner's agenda. Um, if you only want to see plats that are five lots and greater, or if you want to see everything that's three lots and greater. Um, I like the four because it keeps it the same as the maximum number of family division properties. Just good feedback. Um, and a couple other items that have come up uh, just in developer and commissioner's discussions with me that I think are worthy of possibly including in the road specs. Um, had some developers ask about putting in concrete curbs to increase the uh, aesthetics of their development whether they wanted to put them throughout or just curve vanity. I don't know any commissioners that I think are in, interested in maintaining no. concrete curbs. Uh, every city around gets them destroyed by big trucks that are lost, turning around, new construction, whatever the case may be. Um, and as we're getting the intensity of the high-end lots that are coming, uh, they want to know can they do it not in our regulation now that says you cannot. Um, so I think that might be a simple line item worth including in located in the road specs that uh, at this point it's commissioners do not permit concrete curb within the right of way part of the county road. Um, and Any I think thoughts on that gentleman? I don't like it at all. We've got a good oh alpha road it's part of it in the city and for us when well, we've got to rework that road and we put the reclaim on it and you've got to put your base in and try to match it up to the curbing it is a really it's very time consuming after five or six ten years when the when the ground starts giving and the curbing is up and down it looks like crap they're going to want us to rip it out and replace it i think it's i think it's unnecessary and i don't I don't care to see it at all. So you, what you're saying, Clint, is you put in the verbiage that that's, that's not allowed? Correct. Um, 
And the last two quick items. I would uh, say that what Commissioner Birkenhoff said makes sense. And, and I think uh, in feedback from other commissioners, I, I kind of think that's a common sentiment. Um, and to go right along with that, just, you know, things that developers have asked me about that aren't exactly in black and white in our ordinance now um, would be private infrastructure in the right-of-way and gated gated communities, you know, naturally with the price of lots that are going up, people that come from cities, they're used to seeing, you know, you drive up to a brand new subdivision in Cyprus or just outside of San Antonio and there's this big ornate stone sign that has the name on it, it's beautifully landscaped, and there's a gate and a key code there. Um, See, I always thought though, that we talked about the sums, if it's a county road, you cannot have a gate on it. So the way our subdivision regulations are structured, it inadvertently prevents that. Um, our requirements for access require that each lot have existing uh, public have public road frontage. So those you cannot gate a public road. So yes, it, ours is set up that way. Um, Developers have come and say, what if we do A? What if we do B? What if we go through all this crazy expense of whatever may be required to have it open during day hours? Um, it's a lot of just what if, and it's not definitive in the county rule that says we don't approve that at this time. You're saying right presently it's, it's, it's defined. Not. It is not defined. It's not, and I think it would be a simple, you know, Concrete curbs, gated communities, and no infrastructure. You know, kind of what goes along with the gate. Um, the gate idea is, you know, the big ornate sign. If that's in the road ditch right next to the edge of the asphalt and it says, welcome to so-and-so neighborhood. Uh, now you have to shred around it. Mm -hmm. Your guys really hope that they don't catch any of the lighting with the shredder or damage it. Uh, it, it opens the county up to a lot of uh, possible a responsibility I believe that I don't sure. I don't know is appropriate in the unincorporated areas of the county uh, it's strictly in my opinion um, I think those may be situations that are reserved for the ETJ and so you're saying presently that's not addressed it's, it's just not addressed and I think while we're in the mode of cleaning this up and making it user-friendly I think it would be beneficial to have it spelled out so if that developer gets 40 acres and he's going to put 20 homes on it and he wants to have gated community, he wants to have curbing on it, they can do all that. It just will never be a public road. I mean, they've got the choice to do it if they want, right? But they can't have a private road. But then but they it, can't have a private be, road. I mean, it's going to be, it, it will never be a county road. I mean, they can do that. I mean, they, they cannot do it because then they cannot, none of their lots okay, would so have public road running. You've got to have access that's, to public That's road. how our ordinance prevents it at this time. Um, so are you recommending that we address it? I'm Yes, sir. I'm recommending that at, in addition to the road specs when we address uh, asphalt and the, the width of the road, yes, the sir. width of the right-of-way, it should include what cannot be also in the county's right-of-way. Um, it's just kind of my opinion from being the middleman between the commissioner and the developer of what's the least we can maintain and spread our tax dollars most efficiently over the county 
versus how do we get the most money for this lot we're trying to subdivide and create. You know, Another thing about this easement, the utilities is something we got to keep in mind because all of us are experiencing everybody wants the internet and they want all of these fiber lines put down the road. And if all of this stuff is built in your easement, where are the utilities going to go? They have to have access and they always go in the county maintained easement. So if you're going to put all of this in the easement, then it's going to cause difficulties for our utilities. So the subdivision push off, it's a county easement, but they put their sprinklers all the way up to the edge of the road. We go clean the ditch and we dig them up, and they want me to pay for them. First of all, they're not supposed to be in our easement. Right. So it's just, it makes it difficult for us tonight. We dig them up, and like, who, okay, you're going to fix my, my, my sprinkler heads. Like, no, they weren't supposed to be here. But then I have issues with that. So the least amount of things you could put in there, I think it's only should be for utilities, and, right. and that's basically what it should be. For. That's a state law. Yes. But, so I don't want anybody else taking anything out there. I think it would just be a clean, transparent way of communicating that to the developers and, and persons. Uh, I think it's just kind of the nature of our situation in Fayette County where we're getting a lot of that urban sprawl and the persons coming to divide land here. They're maybe not used to working in unincorporated areas of the county. They're not used to the financial burdens of the commissioners that we have here. And I, I think it'd be clean and simple to just to include that as a sentence. This is where we stand on it. And if there is some special situation that warrants, uh, they have a drainage issue and they need this curbing to manage the drainage. Those can always be addressed in variances for the one in a million uh, that need that. But I think it would be a, it would be a clean black and white answer between the commissioners and the developers. So the developers, they're there to, to develop the property and sell it and make money on it. They don't care. They're not worried about who's got to deal with it later. I mean, that's just a fact. They, they, they want to make it look pretty and make it sell, and then somebody down the road has got to deal with it, and it's the commissioner has got to deal with it. Correct. And I just, it needs to be known. So we're, you're, we're basically asking the question, is a gated community allowed in the county? At this time, no. no but I mean, that's, that's where Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, it is not. And, and so what, what, you're, what we're saying is, should we put it in there, should we just put it in the, in the verbiage? Uh, gated communities outside the city limits are not allowed. I, I think that would be appropriate, yes, sir. What about the gated community the view up here? Is that in city limits? It's within the ETJ of the city of LaGrange. Because they've approached me about taking the street over. Because yeah, it's that gated community is not a county maintained right away. No, it's not. And would not, that situation would not meet the minimum requirements of our subdivision ordinance. Does anybody feel that that should not be included? I like it. So, again, those were the couple new changes. Um, now, this was just for feedback. I think I've gotten a lot out of it. Um, oh, definitely. This is very like. But, again, just to to consider and as you are in your precinct, just kind of think about those things and let me know uh, how you feel about the administrative approval, the number of lots, and then uh, some of the items related to the
county maintained right away. So are you saying, Clint, that as you see this, that you'll get feedback from the commissioners after today, and that you'll refine this and define this and so forth and come back perhaps at the next meeting? Yes, sir. The next commissioner or the uh, one after that? I, I don't expect it will be by the next commissioner's <laughs> court meeting. And, so, uh, and present us your suggestion. Yes, sir. I think this is a very, very rough draft and just a general idea of, right. of kind of how, not even my thoughts, this is just a reorganization of existing county ordinances that I think are much more user friendly because uh, the persons dividing land are either a county citizen or a developer. Um, and so that's the perspective I've tried to yeah. organize this from. But certainly open to any suggestions if anyone finds another example uh, that you think is a good idea or some other things we need to include, that's, that's this is the start of that conversation. Would it be appropriate for us to say that you'll come back to the court within the next 60 days for a final review of this? What are your thoughts on that? 60, 90 days? This year sometime? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I want, I want to give the commissioner some time to... Okay. Certainly, they should yeah. think about yes, it. Really, I'll not do anything until the legislature closes the session because they're changing law right now. So. And that is at the I, I wouldn't do anything until even consider it. It's the end of May. End of May. Um, you know, realistically, uh, summertime is a very busy time for my septic side of my job. Right. Uh, uh, Sunshine and guys are busy there. So, sure. give yourself a lot of time. What do you think? Three months? What I've experienced, at least in procedure, and going through some of these is uh, whenever we're proposing something new like this, if we bring it back to the commissioner's court, we get some more input, we make some more justice to it, rinse and repeat until it's something that everybody is, is kind of happy with. Um, and so I, I think Clint's idea, and I think everybody's idea, is kind of prudent here. Um, and maybe say we can you know, revisit it and we'll have an agenda item to kind of review it maybe get some more input. And maybe a second workshop. Uh, once I have a document that I feel is very kind of ready to proofread essentially, all the ideas are there and, and we're looking at it for I like grammatical it. things and I absolutely will have that to the county attorney's office. Um, so how much time between now and the workshop? What time, uh, I think, in, in your guys' timeline after budget would be an appropriate time to do that. That was my intention here was to, I did rush this getting in here because uh, I wanted to kind of plant the seed in your mind before budget time. Um, that's going to be a big thought process for you guys and I'd like to let budget be off your mind and bring this back after the budget um, for maybe a final or at minimum second workshop. I like it. All right. Thank you so much. Anybody have any questions? Thanks. I appreciate it very much. You've done a great job today. I know you put some work into it. Any other discussions about what Mr. Spernoddle has presented to us? All right, well, does anything else need to be discussed? Yes, yes, sir. Just a little add on. Um, I called in, and they wouldn't take my call last night. Questions would come to me, and I had to put my name and put in there. Could you speak up a little bit, please? Uh, yeah, I called into the uh, shareholders meeting, um, but some interesting facts. It's 
$2 billion company. And this year, they're going to make about $390 million. Um, they are, are they're in two different locations. One is in Kearns County, and it's called Ford Eagle, Ford, and Austin Call. And the other is Gettingsfield. And Fayette County is in the Gettingsfield. And I'll just tell you what they said about it. It's emerging high growth asset with extensive inventory potential and significant development flexibility. And then it's held by production nature assets allow for some systemic delimitation and opposition to play. Here's the one that got me. He says, there are at least a thousand locations based on conservative spacing assumptions. So this is the, the degree of urgency of uh, what's going to take place here with, with Magnolia. Thank you, Mr. Meadow. So, Ms. Austin, it would be appropriate at this time to have a motion and in, then we, we incorporate the nuisance clause in that. And I think Commissioner Burrowson is at this time prepared to do that. I think we'll leave it up to the Precinct 2 Commissioner. Go for it. We'll leave it up to the Precinct 2 Commissioner. Normally, leave it up to Jason. I make a motion that we accept the comments of Mr. Clint Sternaudel and that we will, that Mr. Sternaudel will continue to refine and define the specification and ordinances of the county. As well, the county will the county accept the comments from the public concerning the, nui the nuisance slash noise situation regarding Magnolia Oil Company, and that we will work closely with the county attorney's office, Mr. Blake Watson and Ms. Peggy Shupak, to communicate to Magnolia Oil, the importance of them being cooperative with the disgruntled citizens impacted in their area. Can you read that back to me? <laughs> I'm making a joke. <laughs> okay. Do I have a second to that motion? Second. Seconded by Commissioner Sternow. All in favor say aye. Aye. Uh, opposed? Motion carries. Any other business to be discussed? I make a motion we adjourn. Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? We adjourn.